So welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger. My amateur radio call sign is W2LIE, and this is Scanner School. We teach you everything you want to know about the scanner radio hobby. Like always, all notes and links that were discussed in today's podcast can be found on our website at scannerschool.com slash session 109. Welcome to The Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. Okay, so today's podcast, we have Garrett Farwell on as our guest. Now, Garrett reached out to me via the website. He just clicked on the podcast on the top banner. And from there, he clicked on Become a Guest. And by doing so, he was brought to a calendar where it gives my availability. And then knowing my availability and his availability, he just picked a time that worked for the two of us and booked the interview. Now, the first time that we booked this, I was sick with a cold. We recorded this way back in October, and it's now the middle of January. So there's been some time between when this was actually recorded and now when it's airing. So because of this, there's a little bit of a difference between when we were speaking about Broadcastify's ability to record uh, and store audio versus the way they actually do it today. So when we recorded this, I think that the the limit was a 30-day retention policy on recorded audio, whereas today it is now a year. So when we talk about it in the recording, it's different from what it is when we actually publish it. So again, there's there's that. And there's also a command line that I give in the middle of this this conversation with Garrett. And I'm not going to spoil it by telling you what it is now and here, but we'll put a link to the entire command line over in the session notes. Again, scannerschool.com slash session 109. And there's a good probability too that there'll be a YouTube video that also explains how I do this because I do have some audio here that I have to do this with. So it's a good opportunity for me to create a YouTube video. So again, that link will also be in the session notes, but Use this as an opportunity to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Scannerschool.com slash YouTube is where I keep the videos that kind of go with what we're talking here. I definitely have to uh, to put more videos out there as well. But again, scannerschool.com slash YouTube. And again, if you listen to this right now on a pod player and you haven't yet subscribed, click the subscribe button so you don't miss next week's podcast. All right, let's go ahead and jump into today's interview with Garrett Farwell. We talk about how he records his scanner radio's audio to his PC. Garrett, thank you for taking the time and being a part of the podcast today. I really appreciate this, and thank you so much for rescheduling this. I know uh, we had originally done this when I was supposed to do this when I had my cold, so uh, feeling a little bit better now. So uh, thank you so much for rescheduling this and uh, taking the time out a second time to uh, to sit down and talk with us. I appreciate it. Not a problem at all, Phil. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, my pleasure. So um, really quick, I always ask all my uh, all my guests is give us a little bit of background about who you are and uh, tell us a little bit about how you got into uh, the hobby. Yeah, absolutely. So I live in San Francisco, California, and most of my time, like many of us, is spent uh, at work, for better or for worse. Uh, big shocker, I work for a software company here in, in San Francisco uh, as a solution engineer. Uh, and often that position is actually called more like a pre-sales consultant or a sales engineer. So basically what I am is a technical resource for our sales team when we're selling our technology to a new customer. So my role is to help ensure that we sell the right products and that we match the right solutions to the customer's technical need. Okay. 
I think I've got that uh, got that pretty well down by now. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> so, how does that uh, has how did you get into uh, the scanning hobby? Yeah, let me answer that part of the question. So, sure. um, my family's been going up to Lake Tahoe for basically as long as I can remember, and my uncle bought. Uh, oh man, forever ago, one of those Radio Shack realistic 10 channel scanners uh, that he had for a very long time and he used to bring over uh, when we got together as a family. And I remember him turning it on and we could hear where we stay in, in Lake Tahoe. We could, we could hear the calls go out on the scanner and then a couple seconds later, you could hear the fire department or the sheriff, you know, respond to the call and you could hear him responding like right in front of where we were staying. And, and it was just because it's kind of a, a smaller community up there. It's really fun to be informed as to sort of what's going on. And, oh, you hear a siren. And it's usually only one up there, unlike here in San Francisco, where about every 30 seconds there's a <laughs> siren going off. So it's really cool to be able to kind of be in the know and be a part of the sort of small town community when um, public safety and first responders are responding to, to know what's going on. So that originally started my hobby. And gosh, that was, you know, when I was a, when I was a kid, 10, 11 years old. Uh, and then fast forward, I, I kind of set the hobby aside for a while, uh, to be honest. And then probably in the last five or six years, kind of picked it back up, got into, uh, got my amateur radio a technician license, got back into scanning, got back into radios and radio technology and jumped right in with a BCD 436 HP, just went right for it and uh, really was shocked at how easy it was, believe it or not. I know a lot of guests will probably disagree with me on that one, but how easy it was to to program that unit, that scanner, that unit. in. Because I can remember the days when you'd get the police call the green police call the big book, book yep, yep. the big book and you'd flip through that and and try and find your local frequency to manually program into your to your scanner so right and if you were uh, lucky they didn't change from the time they were printed uh, to <laughs> exactly and if you were really lucky one time i actually called our local fire department i was really young at the time i was super scared as a kid i called them up and i said you know i really want to confirm that what i hear in the you know what i'm reading in this police call book is the right frequency will you tell me will you confirm that this is it and the, the I, I don't know if it was a dispatcher or a firefighter i don't remember who it was but they're just like yeah i don't we don't really do that but you know good luck i think you'll be able to figure it out so um, right yeah i can remember the days when it was a lot more a lot more manual and just a lot more sort of mm -hmm. referencing one resource program manually programming it into your scanner and hoping you got it right and like you said hoping things didn't change right right that's kind of the same way like where i started was uh you know i grabbed my dad's old police call books and i'd sit down with the spiral notebook and just start laying out what it was i wanted to program and i guess at the time was the uh bc 200 xlt was actually the first radio i owned that allowed you to to program on the fly and how many times you rip a page out and start over again, you know, you, you remap and, you know, remap everything. And as, as a kid, it was, you know, it was pen and paper. That's, that's all it was. It wasn't really like today or it was great and with spreadsheets and easy to do. And, you know, but, uh, and, and a database, right. An online oh, yeah. database and radio reference to go and figure out different talk groups and different, uh, different ways of sort of prospecting and understanding where you can go to, listen to additional things. So yep. yeah, we're as complex as it may sound or seem, I, I think it's come a long way and it's a lot simpler than it was. 
Certainly is. Yeah. I remember uh, when I first got my first Frida did EDAX, trying to program that in. And, oh, wow. uh, you know, I try to remember like, oh, the logical channel number had to start in position one. You know, God forbid you start in position two. It threw the whole radio into, <laughs> you know, into chaos. But uh, just discovering like, you know, going from conventional only and then discovering that there's trunking out there, then realizing there's a whole lot more going on than I was ever, ever able to listen to. You get that little taste and then it's like, what else is out there? Then you, well, there's Motorola systems. So now getting into the systems now with P25 and, and everything else and, and all the other trunk systems that are out there, LTR, DMR, NXDN, it's like every business has their own, they're on some other community system or whatever else. So there's, there is definitely a lot more fun when it comes to programming than what used to be so uh whereas you know just plugging in a crystal now versus mapping out trunk systems i mean the the 436 is a great radio to jump into to get back in the hobby because it is database driven and all you're really doing is right clicking and adding to favorites list and you know as long as you remember to update that database that's that's getting your quick uh your police call book up to uh up to date real fast <laughs> <laughs> exactly right you had to had to make sure you had and i think it came out what was it once a year so i can't remember Something the like frequency that. of that police call but you know once a year sounds like forever now for right. especially sort of a scanning and recording perspective because frequencies and things change quickly and doors open and close all the time so yep and then you also used to get the updates so you get a little packet and you put them in the back of the book and you know oh so. that's right i forgot about those that's right you have the sort of addendums or the like yes. yeah that's right i forgot about that yep that's so that's awesome that brings me back yep yep but uh, times have definitely changed so you're here today to talk about recording. So, I mean, we could definitely talk about, you know, real to real recording or what you're doing now to record. Cause I know, I know I've got, you know, uh, tapes and, and stuff like now CDs full recording. And now I have a whole backup NAS uh, sitting over my shoulder that, that has <laughs> years worth of recordings in them. So things have definitely, uh, definitely changed on that front as well. So I'll let you take it. What is it that you do and how do you have your recording set up and what are the benefits? And I mean, just go ahead and Feel free to to talk about it. Just free free flow about it a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Sure. So I'll I'll talk a little bit about what I mostly record and where my interests are. So I mostly record air shows, uh, local public safety, and my favorite local public safety time to be recording is during events or festivals. It seems that you get a lot more sort of action and knuckleheads usually when the festivals and the events take place locally. So that there's always something funny to listen to, probably even especially here in San Francisco. But I also listen to marine traffic. I listen to you know, Coast Guard ships coming in and out of the Bay Area here. So we're, we're really lucky. We have a lot of air traffic. We have a lot of marine traffic. We've got a lot of, a lot of local uh, events we can listen to or that I can listen to. And then I also dabble in uh, the marine, uh, sorry, military air band as well. So um, I don't, we don't, we get a good amount of it here, but I know you had Michael Mann on an earlier mm. episode, which by the way, I've listened to just about every episode I think you've put out. So thank you. Um, yeah. Um, so Michael Mann's was, was fantastic and he went into some greater detail about that, but I, you know, I, I kind of dabble in that. I have a lot of interest in kind of getting better at that. And, and that podcast was really, really helpful. So, uh, so those are, those are sort of my main focal points. Uh, I do listen to a little bit of amateur radio. I do sort of listen and record to a little bit of that, not really specifically to hear 
what's being said on those ham uh, repeaters and on those ham frequencies, but more just from a traffic perspective. So I record different amateur radio repeaters and frequencies just to see how active they are. So if I want to participate in them as an amateur radio operator, I know this is a pretty active repeater. And if I use, if I letter into that repeater, if I make a call into that repeater, then I'll probably get an answer and that there's you know some worthwhile traffic and people listening. So I do a little bit of that as well. I'm not terribly interested in kind of recording people's conversations on amateur radio and kind of listening and all that. I that I that feels to me to be taking it a little too far. It's just more for the for the understanding of kind of where people are conversing and where the popular uh, repeaters are in my area. So so, so that's, you, that's uh, the start. <laughs> are you recording yeah. then just to go back and listen to it, or are you actually logging hits and you know the number of times that it frequency is active? Because you just said about the amateur radio stuff. Are you are you doing that with the recording, or are you just going back and just hearing like what you missed during a day? Yeah. So I do the hits only i do record but i'm really only doing it for the hits on the amateur radio bands and on those repeaters i do the recording just in case i passively kind of want to dip in and listen to maybe like 30 seconds of conversation just to see kind of what people generally talk about on those repeaters but it's not to sit there and listen to hours and hours of amateur radio rag chewing (laughs) okay so i I do that's mostly for sort of the hits and understanding the, the traffic on the frequencies but i do record on the other sort of frequencies or areas that I mentioned, the marine traffic, local public safety, air shows, and the military event. I do do record on that uh, just because I think it's it's fun to listen to those to those things. So I, I do make my recordings there. Gotcha. Yeah. So I like the recordings too because you never know like what may want to come back to. Like for example is uh, we had Superstorm Sandy roll through here. Gee, I can't even keep track of how many years ago it was now. And it ended up being that most of Long Island was the South Shore was like destroyed, flooding and everything else. Parts of Queens, they they had a fire. It was the whole neighborhood was flooded, and then they had a fire that went from house to house to house to house and kind of just destroyed the whole neighborhood. But a lot of people they started asking me, "Do you have the audio?" So now every year I replay that audio. I play. I have four live feeds that I set up just for that. I just start at midnight. And I just start playing the audio back in real time. And I do uh, to two counties. I do Nassau and Suffolk police and fire as four individual feeds. And the amount of people that come back year over year over year that want to listen to that because either they were um, they were without power or they were out you know waist deep fighting a fire. I know uh, the department where my parents are, they just had electrical fire over electrical fire. So um, even going back on something like that is always cool. And then um, I record for my a local amateur radio club, asked me to a live feed and record because they use that as ammunition for when they have to um, you know, look for jammers and stuff like that. They can go back through the logging and find out you know, at what time did this event take place or who was it that said this or something like that. So, I mean, it's a closed club, so they can they have a little more control over what it is they want to do, but it's always cool to go back there and, and you know, kind of listen. But, you know, you, you get to a certain point where it's like, I got to purge the data. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. I know exactly, exactly what you're saying. You can only have so much data in your closet, so to speak, before you got to go back and, and clean it out. But I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll bridge off that comment a little bit. I mean, I think my big interest in uh, recording, especially, you know, similar to what you're, what you just, just mentioned there with uh, Hurricane Sandy and, and recording, you know, local public safety 
in particular is uh, I, I really like to feel like I'm listening to how our first responders respond uh, in the community and kind of that really raw on the ground, unfiltered view into how they're responding to a, an incident or, or tragedy. Because uh, oftentimes we read about it in the newspaper, we see it online, we see it on the on the evening news, but to really kind of put yourself in the shoes of those people who were first at the scene is is something pretty moving, I think, uh, at times. And so I, I do do record for that, some of that purpose as well. Uh, you know, be honest, I haven't, I don't try and haven't caught any sort of major Bay Area tragedies, nor do I really ever want to. But, you know, right. it, it is neat. I've, I've, I listened to and, and would encourage folks to listen to the, the archives on Broadcastify from mm-hmm. some of the real um, unfortunate incidents, especially that we've had here in the U.S., um, but it, it just really gives you a, a great view and perspective into you know what our first responders respond to. So that that's part of my interest in recording and and sort of the side of the hobby as well is to really get that unfiltered unfiltered right. view. Yeah, and to tie off that too. I mean, uh, there's the 911 tapes that are that are out there, and I I play those as a tribute every year because I know a lot of people just they just want to. Remember, that's their way of remembering things. So I, I put that out there. Me personally, I, I have never, I haven't gotten beyond the first five minutes of the first tape. That's to me, that's as far as I can, I can take it. But I mean, I have people who listen to it all day long. Just some of the things that you hear too, like I have had departments come to me and say, hey, you know, we had an issue with the call today. You know, can you send me the audio for that? Because you would think they would have in-house recording you know, capabilities, <laughs> but apparently yeah. they don't. So, uh, you know, I listen to the audio. I'm like, I think what you want to hear is like three minutes in. Of course, that's when the guy gets all hot and bothered. You know, he's like, there's a fire. And then everybody steps on everybody and they're like, they're trying right. to use it for training. But I mean, I've heard, you know, like what you're saying too, just things that as, as they unfold Memorial Day weekend here, we have the air show. So I always have a feed set up for the air show and I listen to that. And I normally keep the radios going after, the, after the fact a little bit. And they had a couple of older planes, you know, period specific planes that they fly around, uh, after, you know, the military leaves, there's still some, some civilian stuff that gets left behind. And they were doing a flyby, I guess, for some media thing over the Hudson River. And one of the engines failed in one of the planes, and the plane ended up actually going down. And just to listen to the pilot, you know, they're, they're talking together, and there's no there's, there's no sign of any issues. The two pilots are going back and forth. And the next thing you hear is, you know, you hear something real quick, and then the other pilot goes into a panic going, you know, where are you? Is everything okay? And unfortunately, never hear the other pilot come back. He passed away in the accident. But just to hear that live and the chillingness behind it and, and knowing, okay, I have that archive now and, you know, that's going to go on a, I kind of clipped that audio and saved it, but it's, it's one of those things you don't really share with anybody, you know, but, uh, it, it is amazing what, what sometimes you can pick up on, on, on the air. So, yeah. And, and, and as tragic as that event, I'm sure was, I'm sure it was reported on in the news. I'm sure that there were other ways that that was communicated to the community. And, and you got, you got to hear the unfortunate reality of what really happened and, and that, that first firsthand experience, which I think is, is, is really cool. Even though it might be emotional and tough to hear you, you know, you, you got to hear the, the real, the real deal. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I find that to be sort of a real sort of moving and fascinating part of it as well. So, okay. So we've talked about now some of the things that we can do, some of the things we have done with the recording. I think we got everybody's interested in, in this, this part of it. So let's back it up now and, and let's start with how do you start recording? I mean, what would you suggest as a very easy setup? I mean, I want to guide you into this really quick based on the radio that you have right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's start with that. Let's talk with recording with the uh, the 436. Do you do you do that at all? 
I do, yeah. So I use, and I, I guess I'll start answering that question by saying there's so many different ways to record <laughs> that there's so many different ways to, to approach the recording side of the hobby. So I'll try and talk through a few of them. Uh, I do use the 436. I do use the record feature on the 436, and then I'll pull the audio off of the 436. I'll just put it into mass storage mode. Plug it in, you know, plug it in my computer, put it in mass storage mode, and then pull the audio off of there. And then I'll use a program that I know you use as well, Phil Audacity, and I'll put all the tracks together to create one continuous string or one continuous track of, of audio uh, to be able to actually hear the entire conversation or whatever I'm recording. So recently, I recorded the uh, Fleet Week air show here in San Francisco that happened last last weekend. So I was able to piece all of the just quick little audio clips into one long track of audio. I got a really a uh, real easy thing for you to do, though, to help you with that one. Oh, if you, let me know. If you do, if you use the copy command... You can actually copy, um, I think it's, it's, it's copy and be asterisk dot and then whatever the WAV file is or MP3 file. And then you save it as a new MP3 file and it actually go through and copy each one of those files sequentially into one big file for you. Perfect. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm here to learn too, Phil. So thank you very much. <laughs> what I'll do is uh, I'm already. Yeah, I, I have to, to look it up because I, I use that exactly the same way you use it. I I, I record some one of the, one of the radios I use records per transmission. So if uh, example is if I'm trying to put a, a fire call together, I just take the string from point A to point B. I copy all those files into a directory. And I just do a copy command, all MP3, and save it into a final directory, and boop, makes one big one big file. So it's all all sequential, and, and it takes about thirty seconds to go through all that. So I'll that's uh, fantastic. I'd I'll love send to you, see those steps. Yeah, I'll Thank send you, you the command that. line for that for for Windows, and then uh, we'll post that command line in the, in the session notes as well. So very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Not a problem. So that's I, I think I was. To continue my my, mm -hmm. my thoughts here, uh, so I think so. That's that's the first way is just with the 436 right on the device itself, just uh, recording the audio, getting the getting the audio on the device itself. Uh, the other way that I I do it is I am a Broadcastify feed provider. I provide two feeds for Broadcastify. I think probably most listeners are aware of Broadcastify, but if not, Broadcastify.com and and you can listen to uh, folks like myself who provide. Uh, scanner audio to that uh, website and that community. And as a part of providing feed to that that website and that community, it does record, I think it's for, is it 30 days, Phil, or 15? I can't remember the actual cutoff yeah, I can't there. remember either where they cut off on that one. Yeah, but they, they'll essentially, as a feed provider, they'll record the, the feed for some period of time, mm -hmm. uh, historically and then of course you know after that period of time they'll they'll dump that audio but um i have two two feeds that i i as i mentioned that i provide into that website there is the recording there you can go back and, and pull those files if you're a feed provider from broadcastify and you can go back and listen to those recordings maybe sometime during the session today we can talk about pros and cons to all of these different methods there's a, probably a lot of philosophy around <laughs> talking about that i'm sure but uh, that's another way that uh, i record rf radio traffic and uh, the other way and probably my favorite way and probably the easiest thing that i've the easiest way that i've been able to do it uh, is by using proscan uh, and i use proscan with my 536 hp so i have a 
BCD 436 HP, the handheld version, and then the BCD 536 HP, the sort of more mobile and desktop, if you will, version. And I record using uh, a software called ProScan, which I think it's proscan.org, I think yes. is their website. Yep. Um, That's it. And is, I think it's Bob who wrote that, yes. uh, that piece of software. It's phenomenal. Uh, well, great. well worth the $50. I mean, oh, it's, well, well it, should be, it. it should be like three times that for what you get out of it. Oh. Totally. So, Bob, if you're listening, hats off to you. It's a fantastic piece of software, and it, it really does just a fantastic job of record, not only recording the traffic, but putting it into nice labeled MP3 files that has all the audio tracked as a single track. It also dates, timestamps it, shows you the number of t- hits on that frequency. It's uh, it's fantastic. So, uh, so how do you... Because uh, I know how I do mine, so I'm curious... Just to, to see how you do yours. How do you store the files? Do you do any magic with the uh, with the wildcards or the uh, the variables or what? Uh, I don't think I'm quite that that fancy to be okay. honest. Phil. So <laughs> what I do is I'll take the I'll take what I'll do is I'll listen to the uh, the the dates and the. The, the traffic that I want to listen to. So if it's, mm-hmm. you know, Fleet Week, Blue Angels, I'll listen to all that radio traffic that I'm interested in. And then I'll just save the raw MP3 files out of ProScan. And then maybe it sounds like I need to be using your magic trick here to kind of put it all into yeah. one long track. But I usually just save those as raw MP3 files. And then I have a, uh, a, a, a network, Western Digital Network, external hard drive that I save everything to, which is something that I had lying around. I know mm-hmm. for a guy that works for a cloud computing company, saving everything to external hard drive <laughs> is a little, probably you know, someone at work is going to shame me for that. But it's something I said, like I said, I had lying around. So I, 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 I create folders and I put, you know, um, all my airband scanning in one folder and then Fleet Week and then Fleet Week, you know, 2019. So I have all the sort of old school folders, if you will, for right. all the all the audio. And I, I've it's just kind of systems worked for me. So I've that's what I've stuck with. But okay. Because sure the way I did with- um, the way I did mine is I set up I have a another Western Digital where I got one of those my books, whatever it is, that right. records just for that. And, and this is my local stuff too. It's not my network scanners, but so I have I use the variables. So I have a, a folder that I just call recording or, or scan recording, and then in there I put a variable for the date uh, for the no. I have I have the feed name or the scanner name. So it's either you know Nassau West, Nassau East, or uh, special or just something like that. And then underneath there, then that's when I got creative. So I'll have um, the path will then be the year, and then the month, and then the day. And then the hour, and then the actual, I guess it would be time stamped, then frequency stamped, then alpha tagged. So you can just start digging through the hierarchy of the, the, the file structure. So if I want to find, say for your example, if, if it's the whole weekend and you want to listen to the Blue Angels, all you have to go is just the month and the year and then type in, you know, search for Blue Angels and you have the whole list of Blue Angel alpha tagged frequencies and you can just grab those and then copy them over and make one out of there. So I find that to be very easy. And I also use that too if I'm looking for tones, like the fire tones. If I know, you know, within the last whatever, the last, say if I need tones, updated tones for an apartment, and I want to say, yeah, I'll do it for the last the last month. I just go right to, say, you know, October, and I just do a search for the department I'm looking for. If they're on their own dispatch frequency, boom, I get all the dispatch frequencies. I can just make a string out of that or just go through each one until I find the tones. And then 
and decode the tone. So that's that's a real fast and easy way if you use the variables in ProScan. So uh, it, it definitely makes it easy to archive. So I know we went on a sure. tangent on that one. So no, very very slick, Phil. You, you're I'm I'm the junior varsity. You're the varsity on that one. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> way to go. <laughs> Absolutely. And we'll be right back after these messages. This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealers serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, we can get you a quote at the very best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pagers support Scanner School? I think that every Scanner Reader user should at least put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now, with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out-of-the-box scanner. And with today's pagers, having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scan list, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels, and out of the box, it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and a desktop charger. The G2s to G5s, they do P25 phase one and phase two in simulcast environments with stored voice, paging on conventional NP25. Oh, and they're upgradable too to DMR type one and type two. They are more rugged than today's consumer-based scanners. And with a pager like a Swiss phone S-Quad, you won't even realize you're wearing one. It'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood. So again, eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly, phil at eastcoastpagers.com. Do you have a new scanner? You're having problems understanding how it works. Maybe you're new to the entire Home Patrol database of programming and you can't figure out Sentinel. Did you get a new SDR and you're trying to figure out how to install it or you want to learn how to use Unitrunker, DSD+, maybe set up a Pioware, or even just make some changes and you don't understand how the system and the equipment works? The podcast might be great for you, but maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com slash consulting for a one-hour session. And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour at scannerschool.com slash consulting for your scanner radio one-on-one tutoring session. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues too. So visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine. Did you know you can help support Scanner School without it costing you any additional money? There's several ways you could do so. One of them is just by sharing the show. If you post a, a podcast session you've enjoyed on your Facebook page, share it on Twitter or retweet our stuff, that's a great way to help promote the podcast. Another way to do so is by going to scannerschool.com support and clicking on one of the banners in there that helps support the podcast. One of them is Amazon. If you click on our Amazon link and you make a purchase from our link, 
It doesn't cost you anything, but we earn a commission on that sale. If you're looking for software, we've got a great resource for you, Butel Software. I've been using Butel for years. Love their software. And I continue to buy their software today. And you can go directly to the website by going to scannerschool.com slash Butel or by scannerschool.com slash support. Now, again, it doesn't cost you anything extra if you're going to go ahead and buy that software and by using our link. Another method we have is by going to ScannerMaster. I love ScannerMaster. Been going to, uh, they've been getting my business for years when it comes to scanner radios and accessories. Now, again, if you use our link on our website and you go make a purchase at ScannerMaster, we make a commission off that sale. But again, it doesn't cost you anything to help support us using that method. Now, for those of you that want to contribute a little bit more directly, we have a couple ways you could do so. You can donate one time by using our PayPal link, but you can also become a Patreon supporter. By becoming a Patreon supporter, it gives you benefits for supporting our our podcasts and channels and everything else. At the $1 a month level, it's a great way of saying thank you. At the $3 a month level, you will get the podcast early. As soon as the podcast is ready to be published, you'll get it in your own private podcast feed. Now at the $5 a month level, not only do you get the $3 a month benefits, but you also get a Squelchy sticker pack. Now Squelchy is our little radio cartoon character that represents Scanner School. Not only do you get the stickers, but you also get a special monthly Q&A session that follows the general Q&A session I do on YouTube and Facebook just for you guys, just to help you out. So again, you can help support us on Patreon by going to scannerschool.com slash support. And I want to thank the following continuing Patreon supporters, Craig Harper, Dan, Glenn Bryden, Guy Lee, Irvin Thibodeau, James Felling, Jeff Block, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, M.T. Bono, Mark Beebe, Raymond Hill, Ronnie Bach, Sal Marandola, Scott Vorder, Signals Everywhere, Stephen Sheffield, Todd Glendai and William Arcan. Now, again, the $5 a month is our best uh, valued tier. And if the Patreon takes their cut, that's like giving us a dollar a week for the benefit of not only getting the podcast early and also getting your own private Patreon supporter live Q&A video session. So again, scannerschool.com slash support. And now on to the conclusion of this week's podcast. So, so you're using using ProScan. So you're you're logging the actual hits, which is really cool to do on on ProScan. Uh, you're logging the audio, and then uh, so then you you're going back and you're either mashing it together using Audacity or I guess pretty soon the the little command file I'll give to you that that runs in Windows. What else do you are you doing with the audio? Yeah, um, so I I like to you know, archive it like we talked about. I think the sort of next level for me in this sort of recording arena is to start to marry, like if I'm recording an air show, for example, to marry that audio with something like ADSB or um, FlightAware or some other radio system or other part of our hobby to see the planes flying and to mesh that up with the recording as well. I haven't quite, I don't know how far you've gotten on that, Phil. I've sort of, <laughs> I've sort of, I sort of started to get into uh-huh. that world a little bit and trying to uh, cross discipline here, if you yep. will, but uh, haven't, haven't gotten too far into that, but that's, that's kind of the next, that's the next uh, horizon for me. So I can give you, definitely give you some pointers on that one. So for the last yeah, show we yeah. had here is I did exactly that. So I had, I streamed it to YouTube actually, and I had my ADSB set up 
and I had my ProScan virtual display on top of that. So that the top, I guess the third of the ra- of the screen was the virtual display of the radio. And then I had ADSB on one side of the lower part of the screen. And on the other side, I had the, was it the, what's the other protocol they use for uh, uh, the, the, uh, the beaconing of, of the, uh, the planes? Was it uh, 780? Yeah. Yeah, there's like a 980 or something, yes. and then a yes. 10. Yeah. Right, right. There's so right, two. so the 1090 yeah. is the ADSB, and then the other one right. is the 978. Right. 978. So, so I had them both going side by side. And what was really cool is not only now do you have the air show audio of the pilots, but now you've got the visual. So you can see them actually banking around outside of air show center and just doing their loops and the loops. Or you'll see them off to the east of the air show, and all of a sudden you'll just see them go right across the front or – um, you know, not all the planes are beaconing and not all the planes right. are on ADSB. Some of them are just using the 978. So it's really cool, too, to see the side-by-side window. And uh, with the new version of Pyware that's out there, it's very easy, very easy now to launch the 978. It's, uh, it pretty much works right out of the box. So you'll have one dongle just for the, 10, the 1090. You'll have a second dongle just for the 978. And uh, to be honest with you, I just kind of put a Y connector on the SMA ports and just ran it right out to the same antenna. So it was kind of a no frills setup because I was so close. <laughs> you know, it didn't. Okay. I, I wasn't getting that extent with it. It was kind of just a play around with it last year, but it works and it works really well. And I ended up streaming that to the internet using um, I used TeamViewer on the computer to bring it over here to the Mac, and then on the Mac I ran. OBS, which is open broadcast software, which which grabbed the screen, and then that broadcasted it out to YouTube. And then the other trick was I had to have some other piece of audio because on the Windows computer you can have virtual audio cable, so you can loop the audio back into the the internet. Mac doesn't have that. There's another piece of plugin I had to run on the Mac that actually made a new sound card that made the loop. But yeah, it was it was interesting doing it this year. So every year you you, you build on it. So. Uh, I, I strongly suggest setting that up for next year because it, it really is cool. So, yeah, no, yeah. I, I I absolutely love to hear the you know the details of that. Yeah. And and I was chatting in the Scanner School Facebook group. I saw Ken Newberry put up. He was doing streaming Fleet Week here in San Francisco on LiveATC.net. So shout out to Ken. I, he had looked like a pretty sophisticated rig there to hear all the action. So yeah, I saw um, that I'd love too. To, love to love to hear what what he uh what he was up to it seemed like he's a pretty serious air show guy and i'm i you know it sounds like there's some real varsity level air show recording going on out there i'm definitely definitely still junior varsity but uh you know enjoying it nonetheless and like you said every 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 year at fleet week comes to bay area i feel like i'm just more and more prepared i'm doing a little little more and learning and sort of advancing my interest in in uh, that part of the hobby yep that's what it's all about is it is definitely a hobby and you're you're hitting it you know you're yeah you're tweaking it every single every chance you get so so you're using pro scan are you using anything else uh with the uh to do the recording uh pro scan is the only one that i use for recording okay. i would be i'd be i'd be curious to hear i think as I recall, Phil, you're you're Butel guy, and I, I have to. I'll admit, I haven't haven't tried that that software yet and that platform. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if there's pros and cons to using that, or how that's different, or if it does recording. I'd be yeah, curious Butel to hear. does do the recording, but personally, I I, I lean into ProScan 
for the more more recording stuff because of just the flexibility on uh, the wild cards. And I also use ProScan for my streaming. So it's just a Swiss Army knife for me that I prefer to do my programming in, in Butel. And uh, I prefer to do my streaming and my recording through ProScan. And again, not everything will even you know, play through ProScan either. But there's also, you can do uh, recording through FreeScan as well. And who knows what's on the horizon too, because now FreeScan is under new development. So, you know, lots of changes could be found in FreeScan as well. So uh, one of the things that I definitely want to touch on with you though, is is getting the radio now. So we've got this, we've got the excitement, what you can listen to, right? Mm-hmm. We've got the software we're using and what we're doing with the software. So let's talk more about the hardware. Let's talk about hooking the radio up into the computer. Well, what type of computer? Well, obviously, we're using Windows computers here. Uh, we are. At least, at least in this discussion, we are. <laughs> we can get onto <laughs> yeah. other. We can go someplace else with this, too. I don't know if you've been there yet, but there, there's some other things you can do with this. So let's talk about the, the process, though, about hooking up the radio and getting it into the computer and what's required and if you've had any headaches along that process as well. So let's let's yeah. so let's start from the radio and work our way to the to the computer. Good. So I, I could probably talk through two two strands of that. I'll start with my 536, my BCD unit in 536 uh, HP, and that one I have uh, attached to a Dell PC, and that runs ProScan, and it's connected. The PC is connected to the BCD 536 HP, in actually two ways. It's connected through a USB cable, uh, so connected directly from the front of the radio into the USB port on the PC. And then you can also connect to the unit through the network. So you Mm -hmm. can actually have a a network connection to the device as well. I've kind of gone back and forth on using both. I've found the network to be just sort of the, the easiest thing to yes, do. I agree. Uh, so you can yeah, you can you can just reference the the unit in unit on the on your LAN on your network and just uh, away you go and it uh, connects directly to the BCD 5 uh, 536 HP on the network. And then once you've married those two things together and you've got the PC and the 536 HP talking uh, then you can install and run ProScan, and uh, ProScan will will uh, already will just do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. You can in the application there's a, a, a sort of a, a view into the 536 right there, almost as if you're looking at it, as if you're staring at it right there on your desk uh, on your desk shelf, and you can just choose your favorites lists. You can go in and and choose what you want to listen to, and then hit the record button. There's a couple parameters you can change around, you know, the actual, I think, if I'm not mistaken, sort of how it formulates each of the recordings, like the names. Do you want to include the name or the frequency, or do you want it to have each and every track be, each and every audio be its own file, or do you want to have it be an entire track for the day? Uh, So there's some configuration choices you can make around setting up ProScan. But yeah, for the most part, the 536 and connecting it to a PC and then um, having it with a um, uh, with the 536 is fairly straightforward and then I have I don't I guess I can continue back out behind the 536 yeah, I've got go. a um, 
gosh, I have, I think it's, I have to re- refresh my memory. It's a, it's a, a switch. So I have two antennas essentially connected to the uh, 536 HP. I think, I don't think it's a multi-coupler. So what I have, and I, I should have grabbed the name of the device, but I can, uh, I plug it into an, uh, a socket, an outlet, and I can remotely control which antenna it's using to receive on. So I have, okay. I have mounted an airband antenna specifically, and then a disc own I think it's a diamond. It's the same, similar to the one you've you've recommended, and I think the okay. one that you use, Phil, the the diamond discone antenna. So I have a discone antenna, and then a specific airband antenna, and I can switch, uh, essentially remotely on my phone between those two antennas. So if I'm scanning specifically airband, or I want, to, of course, be recording, you know, Fleet Week here in an air show, I can re- even remotely switch over to to that air air antenna and utilize that. That's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, it is it is pretty cool and I'll take some credit that I engineered most of it did have a friend some <laughs> some some help from a friend of mine uh but uh, he came up with the he came up with the switching equipment I came up with the ability to actually switch it on and off and and really actually all I'm doing is I plugged it into one of those Wi-Fi Bluetooth enabled plugs you know that okay. you can turn on and off from your phone mm-hmm. so if you pretend you were you know trying to turn your bedside light on and off uh you could click that on and off so it's it's as simple as that you know those are probably 10 to 15 bucks on on amazon not terribly expensive but essentially i'm able to switch between the disc own for sort of general recording and frequencies i want to listen to and then if i really want to get specific and record the airband stuff i just flip that switch remotely on my phone and away I go. It'll flip it over to receiving on that airband antenna. So I found it works works pretty darn well. I, I've had some interest in trying to test the differences between listening on the disc own versus listening on the airband and trying to see kind of how what one's better than the other. I mean, ideally, the airband should be better since it's mm-hmm. purpose built, but haven't quite gotten to that level of sophistication yet. One of these days, I might, might try and give that a give that a test. So that's that's one way that I record sort of tip to tail on on that with the 536. The other way that I record is I have a Baofeng UV5R, which I know I know that <laughs> controversial <laughs> as to whether we should be using this as a as a receiver, but uh, it scans I, I leave it at my parents' house and they live down the peninsula and I leave I have that UV5R that Baofeng scanning. It's probably 3 or four analog frequencies or channels. Okay. Uh, so it's not that much. You know, I, pro- I would say, Phil, we could certainly debate this. Probably anything more than that, the scanning function on a, on a Baofeng radio is uh, kind of marginal and you want to keep it pretty, pretty low. You don't oh, want to yeah. scan it. 20 or 30 frequencies, you probably won't hear anything because uh, it's it's scan rates. Scan pretty, rates horrible, yeah. It's pretty horrible. So, but you know, for three to four analog frequencies, I found I you know I get away with it. I just scan the the fire and the police uh, down there at my parents' house, and that's one okay. of the feeds that I provide into Broadcastify. So from the radio itself, I have a sort of it fits into those Kenwood plugs they have on the side of the yeah. radio, yep. and then it goes directly into the audio jack of the PC that I have down there. And then the the PC is running the other ProScan. Is it uh, the other ProScan piece of software that Bob wrote that is radio really feed. helpful? That's it, radio feed. Uh, so I'm running radio feed on that machine. And then 
sending that feed to Broadcastify and Broadcastify does all of the sort of heavy lifting recording for me on that. And the reason I've, I implemented that that way, because it's kind of fun to be able to go back and listen to very specific parts of what I record down there at, at my parents' house. They're again, South in another County. And sometimes mom will call me up and go, oh, gosh, there were a lot of sirens last Wednesday, <laughs> you know, at eight o'clock. Can you, right. you know, pull the recording and tell me what was going on? on it's kind of right. fun but yeah sure mom you know or sometimes i'll send her some of the files she can she can just double click on them and listen to them so it's it's kind of a little more of a passive way of you know having a having a fun way to record uh record audio in a more sort of in a re- remote location if you will air quotes on remote so so i think hopefully i explained each of the each of the pieces there but happy to happy to explain any part of it again if it wasn't clear Right. So you got the radio, you got the software, and then the magic cable that goes between the two. I guess you're just using mono cables to go right from the radio, at least for the Baofeng, right? Because the you said with the with the 536 you're using wi-fi and again that's to me that's the easiest way to connect them but i know i mean i've played around with different cables and you end up with like stereo cables you end up introducing a hum and again that's a nice thing too about pro scans you can actually go into the filter settings and you can actually put in software filters so if you do have a hum on a radio you can actually eliminate it using pro scan as well so i've done that on a few feeds uh that that are out there as well which is actually you can do that through radio feed i think as well so I was able to do that. We had one department had a really nasty PL tone. And I was able to just put a filter in there and just Ooh. wipe it right out. So uh, that's always cool to do. But nice. as far as the, the other one you have, I mean, you said you plugged in with the, the speaker jack and you ran right into the line input or the microphone port or which one did you go with? Yeah, so it's or do you have old, an option on that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's an old PC. It's one of my okay. dad's old work computers. So it's got the split jack. It's got the red microphone and the green audio on there, which makes a huge difference. Glad you brought that up. And I'm scrambling here in the background to actually find the cable that I used on that Baofeng. Because I actually tried those mono cables and I tried a couple of them on the Baofeng. And you have to you have to get the right one. Uh, otherwise, it's, it doesn't work. So I ended up, I've, I've ended up with a couple of you know, spare mono cables now lying around. And right. You know, one of those one of those drawers where you kind of stuff all of your cables that you thought were going to work but didn't quite work. <laughs> uh, so I've got a couple of those. I will try and find that. Maybe we can put in the speaker notes or whatnot. But there was one cable I did find on Amazon uh, that w- that worked with that Kenwood plug, and I think it's the okay. same uh, the same kind of cable that you would use if you were going to use like a speaker mic on the radio or a you know lapel mic or what have gotcha. what have. Um, it's it was one of those that ended up ended up working for me so i'll try and try and dig that up and and send that over i, I think i have it jotted down somewhere but yes there was a trial and error process in that and so i'd, I'd love okay. to help folks get to the right to the right cable on that good good call now uh so it's the other thing too is it's you haven't really gone down this road with your setup but you know there's a difference too between the headphone out and the, and the radio the line out the speaker out in the back the radio and uh, so each one of those makes a difference, as well as the output level of the scanner itself. Like if you're using the headphone jack or the, or the speaker jack, you know, obviously when you adjust the volume on the scanner, that's going to drive the audio going into the computer. And then with your line input or your microphone input, depending on which one you're using, right? Because your microphone's got a little bit of gain onto it. You know, increasing the, the, the input level will also import, in, it increase the noise, the hum. And uh, a hiss potentially. Yep. So uh, tweaking those are all, uh, you know, 
So it's a game until you finally get it where you want it. And then uh, I, I have uh, somebody that runs a feed for me, and I'll, I'll send him a message like, hey, you know, your feed's a little bit quiet this week. What's going on? And uh, he'll come in and goes, oh, yeah, my wife walked in the room and she put the volume down. So, you know, <laughs> so he's he's got to put it back up again. I'm like, dude, just just turn the speakers off on the computer or something. But you know, I've, it, I've witnessed that as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, let me just turn this down over here. Wait a minute. No, you're gonna throw the whole thing off. So yeah, absolutely. I, I can. I, I feel for that. Been there. Definitely yeah. Been there. Yeah. So there's definitely a sweet spot. So a, a lot of the times too, like like if I'm setting up a fee now, it's talking about you know a live feed a little bit more now towards anything else. But if you want to set the levels on, on the computer, something that's got a constant transmission, like no weather radio would, would be a, um, a good way of setting up your levels. Just make sure everything sounds right. Or even, um, you know, you jump on the handbands or GMRS because you get a lot of guys there that, that forget that, you know, the PTT is also an RTL or release to listen. And, um, <laughs> you know, they, they, they can talk for, they can, they can certainly talk forever. Some of these guys. So just making sure that the levels are where you want them. Sometimes too, you know, you might need to put a little, you know, magnetic choke on on the the line just to make sure that you get some hum out of it. Or you know, there's a lot of lot of different things. One of the things things that I recommend though is stay away from stereo cables because you're only really using one leg of the line anyway from your from your radio, and then the line input on your computer is probably looking for stereo input, so you have an open line there. Uh, I found out that basically just standard mono cables work work well. Rio Shack used to sell mono cables. They they called it dubbing cables, which added a bit of attenuation into the line. So people go out there and they buy this. Oh, I got the mono cable, and then they find out. Oh, well, I can't hear anything when I had the volume all cranked up. It's because they went and they bought the wrong cable. So solder your own cables are pretty easy too. If you want to, you want to go down that route. Um, I've done that, but lately it's just been just going to the store and buying them because. I've gotten to the point now where I don't have the time to sit there and and and, and uh, solder up all these cables, and I've already made a whole pile of them anyway. So you know, it, uh, it getting the getting the radio into the computer and getting good sound is is not a difficult process, but you want to spend the time doing it because in the end, right, the the audio that you're recording is what's coming out of the speaker and going into the computer. So that's really like where you want to make sure that. You've got things tweaked and dialed in uh, as as good as you can get them. Yeah, absolutely, and and I think you you hit on it right, Phil. It's 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 sort of a it's a tweaking process. Kind of go back and forth, maybe adjust the volume a little bit, maybe try a different cable. Thankfully, most of these cables aren't terribly expensive, so you can sort of mix and match and try different ones. And I've definitely definitely been down that that path before. I've also tried, and I, I don't know that I've seen a lot of success with it, but those ground loop noise isolators, right. um, one of those along your three and a half millimeter audio cable, I, I think I think they help a little bit, but not. I haven't seen massive changes and differences in that, but maybe I haven't implemented it correctly. Uh, you may so not I even need it either, because I, I don't yeah. need it on my end, so, yeah, you know. Yeah, so I've I've played around with those a little bit too, and um, I did find, and, and I can send you over the link, but it's I did find that device that I use on the on the Baofeng to okay. then plug it into my computer. It's the BTEC two pin K1 connector, so it's the 3.5 millimeter adapter, and it does actually have a push to talk button on it as well, which obviously okay. I don't use for that 
implementation, but kind of cool if I wanted to use the Baofeng as an amateur radio and kind of use it for a little while as that. I've, I've right. got a usable cable for some other audio options on that as well. So not bad. $16 cable. It does a couple of things for me and been happy. I mean, cool. it's always nice to have a cable that does yes. a couple of things for you. So <laughs> that's, that's a good thing. Definitely. So, so yeah. uh, have you tried playing around with anything else with the recording or are you, you're pretty much set with the pro scan and the setup you have now, or I mean, oh, are you going uh, someplace uh, else? <laughs> oh, ever, ever, ever changing. Right. Okay. That's what's so great about the hobby. So the, the other piece that I'm and now is another horizon for me is trying to do it with uh, SDR, right? And do it with those SDR cables, uh, right. sorry, with the SDR dongles and to do recording that way because those SDRs are so capable to look across so much of the spectrum and they're great for prospecting and kind of seeing where frequencies are, where there's a little more traffic versus others and different bands. So an right. incredibly capable device. I, I haven't really gotten far enough into it to do the recording uh, through an RTL SDR or through any sort of software defined radio. I'm, I'm, I gotta imagine it's possible out there. Oh yeah. Uh, but but uh, haven't yet gotten that far and it's, it, ProScan makes it really easy. So it's kind of tough to, to say, oh, well, I'll spend a lot of time, you know, kind of reinventing the wheel here and using a different tool. But just 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 for fun, I would would love to, to get into some of that. So if, if you or any of the listeners have have some success on that, love to hear about it. Yes. Yeah, so uh, here, here's where I went with it. And so I'll, I'll make you fall down the rabbit hole real fast in this one. I'll, I'll tell you two things. Well, the first one I don't have much experience with yet because uh, I was just introduced to it, there's a website called Open Megahertz, and basically allows you to take an SDR, and you know, an SDR is like you just said, it's got a wide uh, bandwidth, and it kind of allows you to record everything that's going on, through, like through a trunk system, because it can monitor everything. So um, I haven't played around with it, but it, you can live stream through there as well and record. So uh, I'm still kind of um, looking at what you can do with that. Uh, there's another website called iCopy Radio which is a service-based recording platform. And again, they give you an SDR dongle and uh, it's a paper, like I said, it's a paper platform, but it looks really cool. And it's the, it's the sister site of uh, Digital Frequency Search. So if you go on their website, Digital Frequency Search, there'll be a link to iCopy Radio, but there's also uh, really easy access to any digital frequency that's in your area, which is really cool. But what I was really doing with uh, SDRs is I was tying into Unitrunker, and there's an application that I was running called Trunk Recorder, I think is what it was, which sat on top of Unitrunker. So basically, Unitrunker would say, I'm on this talk group, and then Trunk Recorder would then grab that talk group and then record it. Again, date, talk group, and then alias. So what I was actually doing was I was going through it, and you could do the same thing with ProScan, really, is, is I was setting up the trunk systems, and then I would just lock out all the known talk groups. And then you would hear, you know, what was coming in. Or if I wanted to find what a particular radio ID was doing, I can then just do a search on the radio ID because even Unitrunker uh, has the ability to save that as a wildcard too. Again, using Unitrunker, not, I'm sorry, not Unitrunker, uh, ProScan, you can, you can, you know, record the unknowns on the trunk system, but I was also using it with Unitrunker. Uh, DSD Plus allows you to record whatever's coming through directly to a, a file as well. So, because uh, again, it's, it's all using your computer processor at that point. And uh, I was even using at one point to a Pro, I'm sorry, a PCR 1000 and a PCR 1500 to do some recording. But right now, just because it's so easy, it's just using, you know, 
standard desktop or handheld radios into a sound card uh, works magic. And again, the sound card you're using too helps out. So you have the onboard sound cards. You have those little uh, you know cheap ten dollar yeah, ones that ones. yeah that you yeah. might want to make sure you're on a USB two port because I think if you plug those into the USB threes and they kind of have a an issue. I personally run a an M Audio 1010 LT as a sound card, which is really cool in ProScan. Because so with like Butel and some other pieces of software, you have a left channel and a right channel, right? And they, they tie in together. And what happens is is a lot of pieces of software see the left channel and right channel as a single not a single channel, but yeah. you can't isolate them. But with ProScan, I'm sorry, with yeah with ProScan, I could take the left channel. And that's a feed. And then the right channel is a feed. So I have, I could run eight scanners off of that one sound card. My problem, though, is that because it's an old PCI-sized sound card, now trying to find motherboards and computers that will actually handle that sound card is getting harder and harder. So uh, I always end up having to build my own computers when it's time to upgrade you know, just so I can make sure I got a motherboard that actually has one one slot on it that will that will do that. And I had to go on eBay and find a second card just in case something would ever happen to this other card I have now. So I'm so invested in it that uh, I could do it. But again, if I decide to put the second card in the computer, now I could have 16 scanners coming in if I wanted to. But at that point, you better just go with an SDR at that point, you know, if, if you need that many feeds. So the horsepower has to be there also. That's the other problem. So. Yeah, slip sounds like a slippery slope there, Phil. All of a sudden, you've got all kinds of sound cards and all kinds yeah. of scanners everywhere. But that's cool. That's yep. a really neat, uh, neat, what neat approach. Now, if you jump into the Linux world too, you can very easily too just use a program. It's built right in, basically, uh, or it should come with with the install. Wget allows you basically to just uh, you could wget right to the uh, feed name or the URL of the feed, and then that will just listen to the feed and just record the audio. And then you can just control C or whatever it is and close out the audio file. So what I have uh, on my live feeds, what I do with that is I run my own server. And part of the server is probably the same thing that's happening on Broadcastify is that the server is kicking off an archive script. In my case, it's it's wget. And then it just records for a set amount of time. And my, my setup is 30, 30 minutes. And then it closes out the wget file and immediately spins another one back up again to catch the next 30 minutes of it. And uh, it, it saves it to disk, you know, renames the file and saves it to disk. And then uh, at a certain time, it says, okay, this file's, you know, been on my server long enough. Chuck it to my local server here, my NAS set- setup, which is what is recording over here. And I probably have about two or three years worth of audio on here. So I got the warning the other wow. day that, that says, hey, you know, you got 10% left in your storage device. It's time to start thinking about either expanding or deleting. So I got to run the script now. It just says, hey, after like a year, you're gone. There's, there's no sense in keeping, you know, <laughs> keeping files that long, at least for some of these feeds. But um, there's other ways that, you know, you can use Raspberry Pis for this stuff if you wanted to, and and you know, if you didn't want to get involved with Windows, and I think Mac has oh, what's the name of the software? Hold on, if I can find it here. Nope, won't let me get there. But Mac Mac has it starts with an L, but it's got a recording software that allows you to to stream as well. So there's you know, there's ways to do it outside of a Windows platform, but really the easiest way, the best way to do it, at least my favorite way of doing it, is is through ProScan when I'm recording locally, and I'm glad to hear it's the same way that you're. You're doing it, so yeah, they made it yeah, real it's, easy. 
Yeah, it's it's you know inertia, right? It's, yeah. uh, you know, if it's easy and uh, it produces something that's usable, it's it's hard to sort of prospect elsewhere. But yep. uh, that's also what's fun about the hobby is trying new things and see if you can get things to work, even if you are reinventing the wheel a little bit. Exactly. But again, there's you know this this three pieces of software out there that make it real easy to record. You know, you have you've got Butel does it well. FreeScan does it well for the scanners that it supports. ProScan does it. And again, too, ProScan will even let you do it with a Vox. So even if you don't have a scanner that's even supported, uh, the Vox setting works just as well as well. So you're not going to get the alpha tags on it, but you'll still get the date and the time and all that in the file name as well. So it is it is pretty cool. It's, it's a fun part of the hobby. And it's nice to do, too, especially what you were saying with, with, the, um, with the mill air, because you could just let a radio go. Or yeah. you can just take three or four radios and, and make small frequency chunks out of each one of those. And then you just go back, you look at the logs, you go, oh, I, I got a hit here. You know, what, what's on this hit? And then you click on the hit, and then it'll play back the audio. And so, um, you know, it's it's gone a long way from the, the voice-activated switches in a reel-to-reel or a cassette deck. And, uh, you know, now everything's nicely categorized. It's digital. And, you know, have to flip the tape over after 45 minutes and... Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I can remember taking that old, uh, I had a BC, I actually still have it, a BC80XLT. Okay. And I don't know if you remember that device, but I, I would I think as a kid, I would, I'd put a microphone in front of the speaker, you know, with a cassette or something and, yep. and hit the record button and, and, you know, whatever I got, I got, and I had probably listened to a lot of, a lot of dead air for a while, but, uh, you know, you, you, you did what you could to have fun with it and see what you could record and listen to yep and it's it's funny too like when you go back to them also like we have uh on my on my hobby site you know w2le.net we have audio going back from like the 70s and 80s somebody found their reel to reel tapes and they transferred them over to, to the computer and then we just archived them on my site so just to go back and hear that the way the tone sounded back then or even like you know they would say the toll booths on the southern state parkway which don't exist anymore so at one point they had toll booths there. So it's like, oh, yeah, the accident just outside the toll booths. It's like, uh, yeah, now they're now they're really dating themselves. So um, it is really <laughs> cool, you know, just to just to go back and listen to it. And I know a lot of the guys too. They like going back and hearing the old dispatchers that, you know, they, they listen to as a kid, or maybe it's their parents, or maybe it's you know them from twenty years ago listening to themselves, you know, and when they uh, when when they had a, a little bit of a different voice or something like that. So. It's it's always cool. And the other thing, too, that's interesting to record as well is, you know, people know I redo it, and I'm sure people are starting to learn that you do it, is they'll come to you and know, say, hey, you know, this, this dispatcher signing off the last time today. Can you record his farewell? Or there's one department that does the, the night before Christmas, but it's their own spin on it, you know, with, with the fire department. So they always ask me to record it or to stream it special for them. So there there is a lot of cool stuff you can hear on uh, on the radio when you record it. And uh, it is cool to sometimes, you know, just take those little tidbit files and, and save them for yourself or share with somebody else. And and uh, it's a nice, nice part of the hobby. So. Yeah, it's fun. I, I, we have something here in San Francisco. I think it actually travels around going back to my recording at festivals and events. I was recording EMS and, you know, medical response to, to an an incident here in San Francisco during SantaCon. I don't know if you know what SantaCon is. It's basically where all the, everybody dresses up like Santa and goes from bar to bar and it uh, gets pretty, it gets uh, pretty interesting, I guess. Maybe that's the right word. I I have this little piece of audio (laughs) file 
style that I really love, uh, and maybe I could I'll share it with you, Phil. But it uh, it's it's this the dispatch. It, no, it's the unit calling to the dispatch, and the unit says, you know, dispatch. Essentially, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but you know, unit dispatch. The uh, the individual that you the reporting person that is resp- that is re- reported this medical emergency. You know, what's their description? And dispatch says, oh well, they're you know in a Santa suit, and dispatch <laughs> comes back and says, well. well there's, there's like, you know, 3000 of them out here. You're going to have to <laughs> call the RP back and figure out, you know, a little, little more, you know, give me something more. They have, you know, a certain right. colored beard or something like that. So <laughs> you can come up with, there, there's some, there's some funny, funny, and that's part of, part of what's so kind of fun about these festivals right. and events to get some of this goofy stuff coming, coming over the airwaves, but it's, it's kind of fun. And it was a neat back and forth. You can hear the dispatcher laughing in the background going, yeah, I yeah. guess I should have been a little more specific about the Santa you were looking for. <laughs> So um, anyway, yeah, it, it's fun. Every once in a while, you you catch a little tidbit like that, and everybody gets a good chuckle out of it. So yeah, yep, sounds good. So any other tips on uh, on recording your audio? Gosh, I I think we've just just well covered it. You know, have fun with it. It is a process, uh, and sort of you know trial and error, and playing with different cables, and hopefully you know our session here today has given people some good ideas and a couple places to start and some technology to use. And uh, no, I I think we've I think we've pretty well covered it, Phil. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your, and your history on doing this, and uh, I greatly appreciate you coming on here and especially rescheduling after uh after having to postpone us one due to do the uh, the minor cold that kept me out for about a week <laughs> so and again if if anybody wants to reach out to you you know to kind of maybe share some uh what, what they were working on what's the best way for them to uh to reach out to to uh to contact you yeah i'm in i, I think probably the best place uh especially in light of of our audience is in the scanner school facebook group Excellent. Um, to some degree, active in there. Probably mostly just a, a learner in that in that group, and enjoy seeing what people post. But I'm in the Scanner School Facebook group. Would love to hear from everyone else who enjoys the hobby, and that's probably the fastest and easiest way to to find me. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today, and uh, I certainly do appreciate it. Phil, happy to do it. Thanks a ton for having me. It was a lot of fun. Okay, again, I want to thank Garrett for his time and discussing how he records the audio from his scanner onto his PC. Now, again, we talked about two different ways he does it. One of them is direct. It's live from his scanner being plugged into his computer. And the other way, very simply, he runs a live feed, and then he just lets Broadcastify do the work for him. So it's really, you know, two different ways of doing the exact same thing. And there's other ways out there. I mean, I use a Linux command to do a, uh, a capture of the audio that comes off my live feed, and I use that to archive the audio. But I also have a local setup here with ProScan. Now, again, you can use FreeScan. You can use Butel. There's many different ways that you can get this done. Uh, ProScan is just how Garrett does it, and of course, of how I do it locally here. Now, if you want a copy of ProScan, again, we have a link to how to purchase that software. There's no affiliate on this one. It's just a straight link to them. Uh, ProScan.org, or again, we'll put a link to that in the session notes at scannerschool.com slash session 109. Now, again, if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, you could do so by going to scannerschool.com. At the very top of the page, click on podcast. It's going to give you a drop-down menu and click on be a guest. That's going to give you a calendar that shows my availability, and then it allows you to book a date and time that works for the two of us. We'll either meet on Skype 
or on Zoom. So it's just an audio connection. There's no need for video. And we could do it at the comfort of our own homes. Now, again, just like Garrett and talking about the scanner radio recording. We've also had Pete DeVasto who talked about how as a blind operator, he uses scanners. We've had conversations with Harrison Wilson and also Jim Peruta who talked about fire photography. Michael Mann came on. We talked about mill air monitoring and Nathan McMullen talked twice about how he has his setup for uh, using scanners and getting the most out of his small little investment. So how he's using SDRs and live audio to kind of work in his favor. And it's all really cool conversations. And these were all conversations that were brought to me by people listening to podcasts just like you. So again, scannerschool.com, click on podcast and then click on be a guest. So with that, I want to remind you that you can download all the session notes at scannerschool.com slash session 109. Scanner School is copyright 2020, Monitor Long Island Inc., my name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this is Scanner School, where we teach you everything you need to know about the scanner radio hobby. We'll catch you all again next Tuesday for the next episode. 73, everyone.